conversation can be kind of interesting these days, right? A little different than how it has been in times past. We might have just everyday conversations about a worldwide sickness or about war or that's going on somewhere or rumors of wars. You know, we, we live in that type of world and it can be a, a little bit overwhelming sometimes. It can be a little bit scary sometimes. And I don't want you to think that I'm taking any of these things lightly. No, I, I think that all of those things are very serious things. And I, I, I just do believe it's important for us to think about what we can do. Like, what can you do about it? Now, sometimes it's quite a lot. I mean, there, there can be a lot of different ways that we can help out in different uh, situations. But sometimes there's not a whole lot that we can do. But what I want us to do right now is to take a look at a passage where Jesus is, is confronted with a few things that were going on during his day. Now, you know, we sometimes think that, oh, well, you know, everything is just so different in the time that we live. Well, there's always been different times. There's always been kind of interesting times that people have lived through. And the time of Jesus was really no different. There were things going on in his days and people wondered, so what's really going on? You know, what is God doing in the world? And how, how is all of this working? Jesus answers some of those questions. And I want us to take a look at what he has to say and what we can learn from his words. Luke chapter 13. We're going to look at Luke chapter 13 verses 1 through 5 to begin with. Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them. 
Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Now, this is very different than what we typically think of how Jesus is speaking to people. In fact, if you're kind of reading this and, and going through Luke's gospel, you know, you might think that some of the way that he speaks right here sounds a lot more like John the Baptist because, I mean, that's how I kind of think. It, it's a lot more of the John the Baptist type thing than, than, the, than what Jesus says as to what we're familiar with. But, you know, what he says right here and how he approaches these things, it's all very important. Now, see, some of these things, like whenever he says in verse 1, uh, about people come to him, and they're the ones that bring this situation about Pilate mixing this blood from the Galileans. Now, you know, we, we know from the Bible that uh, Pilate wasn't necessarily a, a good guy, and most certainly in this passage, I mean, he this is a pretty horrendous thing. Now, I mean, for us, I don't know if we can really grasp how serious and how horrendous this is that Pilate did. It's horrible. But yet, what is Jesus going to say about that? Well, the way that he responds is, unless you repent, you too will all perish. That's an interesting response, isn't it? And then it seems that Jesus is the one who kind of changes the situation. A certain scenario has been brought to Jesus, this one about they were probably thinking how bad Pilate was or how bad maybe even they were kind of saying, well, he's part of the Romans and the Romans are this bad. You know, they, they might have been trying to, to blame somebody with this and how horrible of a situation that was. But then Jesus brings up something else in verse 4. He, he brings up a, a situation that probably we would only know about because of, of this passage right here. He, he brings up 18 people who died whenever a tower fell on them. It seems to be just kind of the tower fell. You know, accidents do happen uh, sometimes. And he's saying, do you think they're more guilty than, than other people living around them? And he says, no, unless you repent, you too will all perish. Well, that, once again, it's the same response that Jesus gives in verse 3 and 5. That's why this lesson is titled, Repent or Perish, because that's kind of the option that Jesus gives right here. So whenever we look at uh, what's going on here, we can ask ourselves the question, how did Jesus address these issues? Now, the issues that are coming up, you know, this whole thing about Pilate, you can kind of see this as maybe it's a political conversation. They're trying to get Jesus to, to get into politics, maybe. Maybe they're trying to get him to, uh, to really speak bad publicly about the Roman government. Um, or you could also say, well, it has to do with sacrifices. So maybe they're really trying to get him to speak about these religious matters. Or maybe even this, this conflict of political and religious all mixing together here in this scenario that they're bringing to him. But then what Jesus does is he doesn't address this politics here. He doesn't even really address the religious things that's going on, at least not the same types of religious things that they're talking about. And then he brings up his own thing about, well, what about natural disasters? You know, I, I know that, that natural is kind of a weird thing because it's not like a you know tornado or an earthquake or, or a flood or something happened here. It's, it's a tower fell, but still it just seems to be that a tower fell. Uh, there could be more to that situation. But if I'm not mistaken, he's just kind of describing basically bad things sometimes happen. And the, this thing, well, it was a bad thing. It was bad for those 18 people because it's not just individuals. It's these 18 families who were affected. And the Galileans the, from verse 1, whose blood was, was mixed with sacrifice. I mean, all of these things, that, that's horrible and it's a bad thing. And Jesus is not like just overlooking those. He's not minimizing suffering that's taking place. 
And neither should we. We shouldn't just minimize suffering and just act like suffering doesn't happen because that's not the approach that the Bible actually ever really takes. He is merely stating a fact that we all claim to believe. And that fact would be that without God, we have no life. I mean, God is so closely connected with everything about life and about us having life. He just takes this a little bit farther than we're used to taking it. And he says to these people that are listening, he says, unless you repent, unless you change your heart, your mind, and change your actions, that's what repentance is all about. It's a change of heart or a change of mind that leads to a change of action. Unless they were going to change, they too were going to perish. Now, you know, whenever you, you read this, yes, he's talking about physical stuff. And I think there's an element in which he's talking about physically perishing because there were actually some bad things that, that Jesus is even going to later um, talk about in Luke's gospel and he's, he's prophesying that there's going to be some destruction coming upon the, uh, there's going to be some perishing coming upon the Israelites because of their lack of repentance. And I believe that's part of it. But I think Jesus is going so much deeper than that and I believe he's also talking about this spiritually speaking, that unless anyone would repent of their sins and repent of the, the actions that they're doing that's going against God, then they're going to end up perishing. Because God is life. God is always connected to our life. So Jesus is, is just stating this thing that there really is no life without God. We've got to repent. We've got to turn to God or we will perish. That, that's just going to be kind of the default. That's the natural thing that happens. Because when you have life right in front of you, and if you're connected to the, the source of life, and then you sever that connection, what do you expect is going to happen? Well, unless you repent, you too will all likewise perish. See, we can easily, you know, just like they were kind of looking at, at these things and kind of pointing out these other scenarios of these other people. And, you know, we might even kind of do that too. We, it, it's pretty easy for us to focus on, you know, the world and, and, you know, maybe how the world is changing or perhaps even how the world is getting worse or, or something like that. And once again, not minimizing that. There are some bad things that's happening in our world, but there's also almost always been some bad things that have been happening in the world. But we could easily just turn our focus on the world as, you know, a large, you know, this, this large ball that has all humans on it. We could focus on that. Or we might focus on kind of what's happening over there. You know, we might say overseas, you know, depending on uh, kind of what you want to, to focus on, it, it could be could be pointing to all these other different places. But what I want us to do, and what I believe Jesus is doing right here, is focus on you, actually. And, and you know, I mean, I have to do that, of course, too. It's, it's not just you who are listening, but it's, I mean, it's me, too. That's this message that Jesus is bringing to us. That that, in some way, which it doesn't make sense, but that, in some way, is what we can do about this situation, is we can repent so that we will not perish. And if all of us as individuals can do this, or if all of us as people groups could do this, then what would the world look like? Then we could maybe perhaps get our attention uh, to see some other issues. But we must focus on ourselves, focus on our own repentance and the need for this repentance. Now, this right here is not always the most encouraging message to hear because whenever... <laughs> Whenever bad things are happening in the world and all these stuff, all this stuff is, is going on and you bring these things up and you mention them and then Jesus' response is, well, unless you repent, you're going to perish too. 
that's not exactly the most encouraging message to hear. But it is a necessary one. It's very important for one to us to every so often take inventory of our of our lives, to examine ourselves, to see whether or not we are doing what is necessary to be pleasing to God. You know, the Old Testament is full of, of similar statements like this, of what Jesus says. And Jesus, obviously, he, he read them. And I want us to look at, at one of these passages that kind of speaks of the, the invitation that God was giving his people. And it comes from us, uh, it comes to us from the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 55, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 11, but let's first look at uh, the first five verses here. And it reads, Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you, will have, uh, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the riches of the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen, that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to you. I'm sorry, to the peoples, a ruler and a commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations and know uh, you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you. Because the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. So in these verses, we, we see a few things, and, and really all of these, these uh, first five verses here, they're speaking of this, this promise to Israel of extending beyond just the borders of Israel into the other nations. And that's why it speaks about how nations that they don't know, they will kind of be brought in and, and great things will happen there. Well, all this goes back to even um, the statement that was made to Abraham, you know, that through him, through his descendants, all the nations are going to be blessed. But now in Isaiah 55, God turns his attention into not just uh, about kind of where all, you know, how, how large this is going to be, how it's going to extend to the other nations too. But then he's going to draw his attention now at this point to well, what do we as individuals can do? What, what can we do about these things? Verses 6 through 11 now. This is what we can do. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will surely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than, the way, than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So now in these verses, we have verses six and seven, focusing on what you can do, you know, what I can do. We can seek the Lord while he's still there. We can call upon him while he's near. We can, we can um, repent. I mean, all of these things are the same concepts of what Jesus said, because this is what the people of God, the, the people who have always been pleasing to God, have been stating to repent, to turn to the Lord. That is what we always need to do. We always need to be following the Lord. In verses 8 and 9, we see that God's ways and his thoughts, they're higher, they're greater than our thoughts, than our ways. Sometimes we don't always understand the ways of God or the thoughts of God. 
I know that whenever I became a father, I started to recognize why God is described as being our heavenly father. Because there are some things that I do or that I say or that I might ask of my kids that they don't always understand, but they still need to do it because I've got a reason behind it. I don't always explain everything about those reasons to my kids. Sometimes they can't always grasp everything about it, but I give them a little bit about it. And that in so many ways is what God is doing with us. The difference is, you know, in the example with me and my kids, okay, I'm the one who is, is thinking more about what all is going on and knows more about what all is going on. But in this case with our Heavenly Father, He's the one who knows what all is going on, not me. I'm like the child. I am the child in that situation. His thoughts, His ways are greater. We might not always understand it, but God explains enough for us to be able to be faithful to Him always. In fact, that's why verses 10 and 11 speak about how God's word, his promises, they always accomplish exactly what God wants them to. Let's make sure that we listen. That's why whenever Jesus was, was given these examples about, well, those people or those people, you know, were they worse? Were they better? What's going on? And he says, unless you repent, you too are going to perish. Now we're going to go back to that passage again because I want us to look at a parable uh, that, that follows what, where we started. So going back to Luke chapter 13, the first five verses, once again, that's where he just responds to political and religious and then just natural disasters. He says, look, unless you repent, you are also going to perish. Then Luke 13 verses six through nine, then Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard and he went to look for fruit on it, but, it, but he did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. So now this parable, there, there's actually a lot for us to gather about it. A lot for us to understand and to combine this with what we started, where we started about how we need to examine ourselves. Unless we repent, we too are going to perish. I know that I've said that several times, but that's the, the statement that Jesus goes back to. So let's see what this parable um, is saying. It's speaking about this tree that should produce fruit, but it isn't. See, it's had plenty of time. I mean, look at it right here in verse 7. Um, the statement is for three years he's been coming looking for fruit. So now this tree has, is old enough. It should be producing fruit. It should have been producing fruit for three years. So he's been, this, this, uh, this tree has been given time, and it is just failing to produce anything good. And in this case, also in verse 7, it says, you know, why should it use up the soil? It is using up the soil. It's using up the nutrients as to how, you know, we might say it today. See, something productive should take its place. That would just make sense whenever you're speaking about a vineyard or a garden or something like this that's going on right here. But now we see this mercy of God. We see this grace of God. The merciful statement found in verse 8 is for a little bit more time, one more year. Let's try one more time, one more chance. Then another kind of interesting thing about verse 8 is part of the process was to fertilize it. Now, I don't exactly mean to be crude with this, but fertilizer stinks. 
And I don't know that this was really intended from the uh, original parable, but sometimes that process of us growing as individuals, whether or not we're going to produce fruit in keeping with repentance, sometimes that process, it stinks. It's difficult. We don't like it. And I don't know that that was really intended by the parable, but it does work with this fertilizer because fertilizer can sometimes stink. But yet that was part of the process. It's what was necessary. It doesn't always exactly make sense, but it's what was necessary in order to produce growth. Sometimes things that might not always make sense for us might be exactly what we need to go through in order for us to grow. And then we find in verse 9 that phrase that if it doesn't bear fruit, if not, then cut it down. This speaks about how there is going to be a final judgment. There is going to be a final condemnation right here if there is no fruit that is found. See, this parable, though, is kind of lacking an ending, don't you think? Because we don't get, okay, so what happens? Did it bear fruit or did it not bear fruit? And I believe the reason for that is because the final decision had not yet been decided because it, it hadn't, they weren't given the chance yet um, to, to respond to that. And the whole ending about it, it is decided upon their response as to whether or not they were going to repent. And if you want to see it like this too, ours as well whether or not we are going to repent. And I want to end just kind of with a, a few thoughts in keeping with, with combining all of these, uh, these things together about what it means to be a Christian. Well, what we see is, you know, some people might think about us as, as Christians and they might think that we think that we are perfect or at least that, you know, we're trying to be perfect. Well, that's only partially true. See, the real truth is, that Christians are the ones who've already realized that they can't do it. They can't make it in this life on their own. That's why we must rely upon Christ. We must rely upon Christ's sacrifice for our salvation. That is the only way for which any of us can be saved is through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Christ is our life and his way, it gives meaning to our life. Now, there might be some people who are watching and participating in this video, and they maybe have forgotten this part of the gospel, the part that, you know, we are Christians only because we recognize we can't do it. That's why we have repented. That's why we have, have turned to Christ in the first place. And there might also be some people who are watching this video who haven't yet learned this part of the gospel. That is that we must rely upon Christ. But we go back to what Jesus said again. He was given these different examples. He was given these different problems. And they were serious things. But he says, unless you repent, you too will all perish. He said it in Luke 3, uh, sorry, Luke 13, verse 3 and verse 5. The same thing. Now, when it comes to following Jesus Christ and the gospel message, there is no need for any of us to perish because Jesus has already provided a way. He provided that way by going to the cross, by fulfilling the whole purpose as to why he came here on this earth. Now it comes to us. Jesus said, unless you repent, you too will all perish. We don't have to perish if we repent. Are you ready to repent? Are you ready to bear fruit in keeping with that repentance? Come without money.
journey come without price. Jesus has made the great sacrifice. Gladly he suffered our Calvary. He the great call, salvation is free. Here's his call so tenderly. Incline thine ear and come unto me. Here's his call so tenderly. Incline thine ear and come. Seek the Lord while he may be found. He in grace and truth doth abound. Call upon him while he is near. Thy soul shall live if him thou dost hear. Here's his call so tenderly. Incline thine ear and come unto me. Here's his call so tenderly. Incline thine ear and come. Why do you tear me out in the cold? Come when he calls, now enter his fold. See the good shepherd will welcome you in. Oh, how he longs to save you from sin. Here's his call so tenderly. Incline thy ear and come unto me. Here's his call so tenderly. Incline thy ear and come. Why do you wait? Why linger so long? Prepare to enjoy that heavenly throng. Soon will the gates of mercy be closed. Sad it will be to find no repose. Here's his call so tenderly. Incline thy ear and come unto me. Here's his call so tenderly. Incline thy ear and come.